this working here? All right. Here we are. Good morning, guys. Morning. <laughs> it's, a, it's a huge joy for me to be here, um, worshiping Jesus with you all today. So, like Matt said, uh, my name is Sam Newcomer. Um, you know, all those things that he said, the ways that I've been serving, uh, they've, they've really been a joy for me. Um, it's, been, it's been a great experience to get to know all of you and get to a place where I can call you family and call you brothers and sisters. Um, so it's, it's been a joy. All, that, I mean, all the stuff that I've been doing, it's, I love it. So, um, but now I get the opportunity and the privilege to preach God's word today, communicating what I believe God wants to communicate to you today. So I want to talk about Thanksgiving, right? We just celebrated it a few days ago. Hope everyone had a good time. You got to have a good meal, spend some good time with family and friends. Uh, This was the first year I wasn't able to be back home with my family. They're all the way in Indiana. I think exactly a thousand miles away or something like that. Um, So I was missing them a lot. Um, My uncle Greg makes these rolls every year. I eat like 16 of them. My mom makes kale every year. I don't eat any of it. Um... But we play ping pong, we eat, we catch up, we goof around. It's always awesome. Uh, so I was missing being away from them, but uh, my first Boston Thanksgiving was, was pretty good too. Um, I went out early for the, the annual turkey bowl. I played at the Melrose Common, and uh, I'm still sore from that, which I don't know why I shouldn't be sore from that. <laughs> uh, and then I had dinner with Will and Jen at their place in Beverly, um, which was awesome. Ask Will about his brine. He put like 30 things in it. It's like very complex turkey. <laughs> um, so, so it was a good day. Um, so I have a lot to be thankful for. I really do. As I was preparing for today, I was thinking through what is Thanksgiving? And I figure we have you know, two ways of defining it. One um, is a verbal expression of thanks. Another is a feeling you know, or, or quality of gratitude. In our culture, it is totally possible, totally legitimate, legitimate to have those two things be completely separate, right? We can, we can feel grateful for something but not verbally express that, and we can give a public verbal expression of thanks but not feel an ounce of gratitude in our hearts. Take a wild guess at which one of those things I'm really good at. Um, But that's the thing. I look around and I look in my heart and it just seems to me that our understanding of thanksgiving rarely goes beyond the verbal, right? You know, we we give verbal thanks and we expect verbal thanks and and somewhere along the way, thanksgiving became a formality. Uh, What this reminds me of is that that classic parent-child exchange. What do you say? Right. I heard that a ton this Halloween. I don't know about you. Um, so I can't tell you how many times, you know, I'd answer the door and the kids would be there and pff, they would dive bomb for the candy. And the only thing I'd hear them say is, how many? They'd even say trick or treat. Like, what, what's wrong with that? It's like something's, something's up there. But it was funny. The, um, the parents were always off to the side to chime in at one point. What do you say? Thank you. But, um, you know, you know that once those kids got the goods, they were out of there, onto the next house. Um, but, you know, we're, we're taught that growing up, and I see that bearing fruit in my life even now. 
You know, if, if someone gives me a gift or uh, encourages me or helps me out in any way, I find that I really don't have to think about it all too much. I can just say thank you and move on to the next house, so to speak. But what if Thanksgiving was more than that, you know? What if Thanksgiving was more than, than just a verbal expression of thanks? Well, the Word of God has a lot to say about Thanksgiving. And the idea of Thanksgiving that we find there is beautiful and holistic and complex. So, so we're going to look today at a small text in Colossians and uh, find out the ground, the task, and the use of Thanksgiving. So let's get going. Um, Father, I pray um, you would be among us, you would be present here. Spirit, I pray you would be illumining us to the truth of your word. I pray you would be teaching us, uh, encouraging us, informing us, convicting us, helping us to love you and your word. So we love you, Jesus. It's in your name. Amen. Um, So Colossians was written by Paul, same guy who wrote the book of Galatians that we spent a whole year at here at Seven Mile. He's writing to the church at Colossae, and he's writing with a sense of urgency. Why is that? One of his biggest enemies had made its way into the church there and was stirring things up. And that enemy was false teaching. False teaching. So what probably happened was one charismatic figure had attracted a following in the area, and he started presenting himself to the Colossians as this this head honcho, this all-knowing, all-powerful spiritual authority. And what they were doing was trying to impose a lot of strict rules on the Colossians regarding food and drink and festivals and Sabbaths and stuff like that. And, and saying that if you followed these rules, if you followed this teaching, it made you better off spiritually. But what, what really concerned Paul was that these false teachers were using philosophy to manipulate them into following these rules. So Paul's concerned because his people, his church, his beloved people are really being tempted by this, this attractive teacher and his attractive teaching. So, so this is not going to fly with Paul, right? He, he loves these people way too much to let them fall by these meaningless rules. So, so what does Paul do then to respond to these false teachers? He preaches Christ, right? He preaches Christ. And um, I'm not just talking about a kind of pithy Christ. I'm talking about a rich, meaty, radiant, transcendent, mysterious, supreme Christ. Paul tarnishes these false teachings by showing that Jesus is the head over all rule and authority. These teachings, he says, they're just based on human traditions and not according to Christ. And because Christ is head over all rule and authority, these teachings fall. They're nothing. So all these, you know, rules about Sabbaths and festivals and all that stuff, all these Paul says, says are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. So he states his purpose in writing to the Colossians in chapter 2, verse 4. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. So what now? We've got these false teachers coming in, screwing everything up. Paul 
presents Christ as totally trumping these teachers and these plausible arguments, what can the Colossians do then to stay oriented, grounded in Christ, and to defend themselves against these false teachings? This is our text today. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Abounding in thanksgiving. It is remarkable to me that with the threat of false teaching coming in and, and, and compromising the integrity of the church, that Paul would instruct the Colossians to, to abound in thanksgiving, right? Abound in thanksgiving. So I'm trying to like put myself in their shoes, in the Colossians' shoes, and carry out this command using our weak understanding of thanksgiving today, and I just can't see it happening. You know, how does, how does that work? What's the connection there? Maybe Paul has a bigger, richer idea of thanksgiving in mind. And maybe that idea of thanksgiving carries with it real power for the Christian life. So, first thing I want us to see here is that thanksgiving is grounded, rooted in the redemptive work of Jesus Christ, and is expressed in how we as Christians daily live our lives. So we, we tend to see Thanksgiving as a, as a one-and-done thing. You know, we give thanks for something and then move on to the next thing. But uh, the ground for our thanks as Christians is way bigger than a piece of Kit Kat on Halloween. And notice the reminder at the beginning of verse 6. As you received Christ Jesus the Lord. Receive. That verb... Receive was normally used in talking about the receiving of a tradition. Um, But I think it has an intentional double meaning here. So in one sense, you receive the the teaching, the gospel message of Christ. You receive that. But in another sense, you receive Christ Jesus the Lord. You receive the person of Jesus. So this, this beautiful, supreme Lord and Savior of the universe that puts all false teaching to shame is yours. And the risen Jesus gloriously stepped in, and when you were dead in your sins, he saved you and brought you into relationship with him. Right? Chapter 2, verse 13, And you who were dead in your trespasses, God made alive together with him. And the crazy thing happened, when you received Christ Jesus, God rooted you in him. Right? Those first three verbs at the beginning of verse 7, are in the passive voice. So God rooted you in him. God is building you up in him. God established you in the faith. So when you receive Christ Jesus, you are fixed. You are firm, secure. You are rooted in him. So because of this, because you received Christ Jesus in the same breath, we have the command, so walk in him. To walk in him. Or we might, we might say continually walk in him. That's the sense of, of the verb there. Our call as those who have received Christ Jesus the Lord, his grace, his gospel, his teaching, his truth, his tradition, is to walk in him. So when we're walking in something, what that means is we're living so closely in conformity to this thing that our lives are actually, and they end up being characterized by it. So we are to continually walk in Christ, in the gospel. Now, 
Paul could use the million different things to describe what walking in him looks like, right? He could have said, you know, read the word, you know, pray daily, go to church, buy a coffee for the guy behind you at Dunkin' Donuts. But he says, you know what he says? He says, abound in thanksgiving. Verse 6 and 7. The only thing he says there is about abound in thanksgiving. The way we walk daily in Christ is by abounding in, being rich in thanksgiving. Wow. So, so I hope you can see the progression here, right? So thanksgiving is always starting with, it's grounded in the redemptive work of Jesus Christ and our receiving of that, and it carries over then into the way that we continually walk in him. I came across a, a quote. A guy named David Powell wrote a whole book on thanksgiving. It's pretty cool. He says, when gratitude is understood as the proper response to the mighty acts of God, gratitude is expressed then by the way the covenant people conduct their lives. So I think that explains it well. So a major reason why I'm able to be at Gordon-Conwell studying is that I'm part of a a scholarship called the Partnership Program. Um, I'm essentially uh, support raising for my tuition. Um, so when I was first getting started, I remember I was a little nervous. Um, you know, I didn't have a, a huge network of people I could call upon to, to give. Um, but man, this whole experience has been a humbling uh, exercise in gratitude, right? I've just been blown away by the out-of-nowhere generosity of, of some people, of many people. Um, if you think about it, pray for Tom Lofton back in Indiana, one of the most generous guys I know. He was just diagnosed with cancer. So I have a choice then in how to respond to this. So I can thank my donors once a month when I write, you know, my update emails that I'm supposed to, and then live the other 29 days of the month without even thinking about it. Or I can anchor myself in the generosity of my partners and then let that propel me in my studies go about it with vigor and, in, and intentionality and purpose, abounding in thanksgiving. So which is it for us and Christ? Right? Do we, do we thank Christ sporadically for the various blessings that we have in our lives and then live the rest of our lives without even thinking about it? Or, or do we anchor ourselves in the cross, in his grace, in his love, and let thankfulness propel the way that we walk daily in him. That is, that is the challenge for us here. But, hey, I mean, the fact is, we don't feel gratitude all the time, right? I'm not going to pretend like I walk around 24-7 feeling thankful, and I have a feeling you guys have that same problem as well. So how are we supposed to abound in thanksgiving? And, and for that matter, how does... How does abounding in thanksgiving even help the way that we walk in him, right? I mean, what's the, what's the connection there? Uh, the second thing I want us to see is that true thanksgiving is a call for us to slow down and to set our minds on the object of our thanks. So thanksgiving is not a throwaway task, right? It's a discipline. It's a mental exercise. It's something that we, that we work at. So if, if we're supposed to walk in Christ, abounding in thanksgiving, we're not going to get by 
on our idea of Thanksgiving that says we can just, you know, pay lip service to something but not even think about it, right? That's not going to work. It's not going to be helpful. So the way we give thanks has got to be different, right? It's got to go deeper. I think there's a Christian psychologist who explains this well. He says, sincere thanksgiving, which includes feeling grateful, requires giving attention to or setting one's mind on whatever one gives thanks for. Setting one's mind on whatever one gives thanks for. We talked about the call for us to, to anchor ourselves in the redemptive work of Jesus Christ. What's amazing, though, is that uh, Paul doesn't just give us the, the bare bones of Jesus' ministry, right? He uses his mind and, and searches it. Searches the breadth of Jesus' grace and love and ministry and person, and then applies that to us. He uses his mind. So the first chapter of Colossians is where we get this massive paragraph about the supremacy of Jesus Christ. Um, It's just awesome. Let me read it. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. In him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And, and, And you, who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach, before him. Right? That is deep stuff. If we don't feel gratitude for Christ's work for us, it's probably because we're simply not devoting enough time to ponder the breadth of it. You know? We have a, we have a lot of things that compete for our time. You know, we have we have work, we have our studies, we have family, you know, um, we have Netflix, and sorry, I got to say it, we have our sports. Um, but chapter 3, verse 2, our call is to set our minds on things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. It's when we sit down and set our minds on Christ that we find ourselves abounding in thanksgiving, right? So... But, you know, but trust me, family, I know, this call to sit down and abound in Thanksgiving, to set our minds on this stuff, it's not easy, right? We're not, it's not our natural inclination to, to think about this stuff and to really sit down and meditate on it. Uh, but we have to work at this. We have to find time. We have to make time to do this. We have to train ourselves to do this. It's essential that we do because this is exactly how Thanksgiving helps us to walk in Christ. When we are considering Jesus, we're not, uh, we're not just considering him, but his whole gospel. We're abounding in him. We're considering his whole gospel. And we are more equipped to walk in Christ when the gospel is gladly fixed on our minds and our hearts because we've taken the time to sit down and ponder it and think about it and search it and be thankful for it. So when I first got to Boston, I got a job at 
Christian book distributors doing customer service. <laughs> Not the best job I've ever had, I'll say that. Um, we had a customer service manual, and it had all the protocol and tips and stuff for doing customer service calls. So when I first got there, I studied that bad boy front to back, right? I'm, like, I'm not going to embarrass myself on the phones. Um, but once I got to the phones, I found that customer service was often uh, an exercise in you know, calling to mind all the things I knew about you know, customer service and the company and all the stuff, thinking about it, setting my mind on it, and then piecing together a solution to help out this specific person that I was helping, right? So all of this made me a, a, a competent, I'll say, a competent customer service rep because my mind was there. The, the reps who were not as helpful, as you can imagine, were the ones whose minds were not there. So this is how we continually walk in Christ. When our minds are continually set on Christ and his whole counsel, only what's different for us is that the stuff that we're seeking, that we're setting our minds on, is stuff that we love, that we revel in, that we give thanks for. Our abundance of thinking and pondering and considering yields an abundance of thanksgiving. I would call your minds then back to the context of this instruction. It's given to a people who are being bombarded by false teaching, by stuff that would swerve them away from Christ, from the founder and ground of their faith. So what, is that, what does that mean for us then? Third thing I want us to see, Thanksgiving is a posture that defends us from false teaching. When we're anchored and walking in Christ, abounding in thanksgiving, we always find that Christ triumphs over any false gospel that might come our way, right? If our posture is defined by sparse, shallow, superficial thanksgiving, then, then we stand vulnerable. But if our thanksgiving is, is filling our minds and our hearts, is overwhelming us with gratitude, then, then we have real power. We have real power. John Piper puts it well. He says, guard yourselves with gratitude. Guard yourselves with gratitude. So everyone in this room is, is, is coming up against some kind of false teaching. Everyone here is. So what are you doing to resist this? You know, are you just kind of you know, brushing it off to the side and, and hoping that it won't bother you? Or maybe, you know, maybe you're crafting an intellectual argument, a rebuttal against it. Well, I can say that if you're brushing it off to the side, it's going to continue to tempt you. And I can say that if all you're doing is trying to argue against it intellectually, you know, there's always going to be someone with a more sweet-sounding word than yours, you know, someone who, someone who has a more plausible argument. But when we walk in Christ abounding in thanksgiving. Christ outshines any plausible argument any day. Any day. And I, have, I know this is true from experience because as I was preparing for this sermon, I was really feeling a lot of, a lot of burden, a lot of resistance. I had these feelings of inadequacy. I, I was feeling really torn down and burdened by um, these doubts about the power of the spoken word, you know. 
I'm like, I'm, I'm like thinking, what's the point of all this? You know, how is this going to make an impact? This was, this was troubling. This was really wearing on me. I was really being tempted by these lies. But, funny enough, as I'm sitting here and as I'm writing this sermon, I'm thinking about Christ. It forced me to think about Christ. And as I'm sitting here pondering his grace and pondering his person and his mercy and his, and his work and how he saved me, I couldn't help but just say, thank you, Jesus. Right? And, and in light of this abounding in thanksgiving, all the sins that I'd been struggling with, all the false teaching, all the lies that were attempting to, to swerve me away from Christ Jesus, they just paled. They just felt, they just felt perfectly pathetic. Christ Jesus and his grace is infinitely more beautiful and satisfying. Amen. My friends, thanksgiving is more than an empty verbal expression. It's not a matter of saying thank you and moving on to the next house, you know, moving on with our lives unchanged. It's a beautiful, complex endeavor. It starts with, it's anchored in the redemptive work of Jesus Christ. It carries over into the way that we continually walk in him. It's a call for us to slow down and set our minds on him, where Christ is seated above. And it's a posture, it's a tool, it's, it's, a, it's an exercise that defends us from false teaching. But where are you at with this, family? Maybe, maybe you need to be reminded that when you received Christ Jesus, he rooted you in him and that you are fixed, firm, secure in him. Maybe you simply just need to you know, carve out some time, make some more time to slow down and intentionally think about this stuff, you know? Maybe take some time in your prayer, you know, set aside 10 minutes and, and pick one piece of the gospel and just search it and explore it and make it your own and be thankful for it. Maybe you need to identify the sins, the false teaching, all that stuff that's attempting to pull you away from Jesus and resolve to, to walk in him and abound in thanksgiving. Whatever the Spirit is calling you to do, follow through with it because our God is a good God, right? He's worthy of our whole lives. He's worthy of our praise. He's worthy of our thanksgiving. Last thing I would say to you all today, brothers and sisters, is that this is not a solo act either. Right? Thanksgiving is a task that we do together as a community, as members of one body of Christ. It's something that we do to each other. You know, when, was, when was the last time you looked your brother or your sister in the eyes and, and said with fullness of heart, I thank God for you. Let us resolve to be a church that abounds in thanksgiving to God and to each other. Hear these words. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another, in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God.
Jesus, we, we set our minds on who you are, on your beautiful transcendence, your, your, the fact that you're the image of the invisible God. We set our minds on what you did for us to buy us back from death, to show grace, to save us from our sins and welcome us into the kingdom of God. We set our minds on how you're with us today, how your Holy Spirit indwells us, filling us, propelling us with more of you. We set our minds on on how we're in relationship with you, on how you love us so much. And in light of all the stuff, Jesus, we say thank you. We say thank you. Help us, God, then to abide in you, to walk in you, abounding in thanksgiving so that when, when, all the, when sin, when false teaching, when all the stuff comes our way, we, we'd be strong. We'd be able to, to call upon you, our Lord and Savior, and say, you know what? I've got Jesus. Lord, you are so good to us. We gladly say thank you for, for who you are and what you've done. Be with us. Go with us. Help us. It's in your name, precious Savior, I pray. Amen.